Hello, Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's Extraordinary Etiquette. For Ordinary Occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. Welcome back. Whoa. But I've been here the whole time. <laughs> oh, you well, mean because we back, took a break. Back yeah. to the booth. We took a break. So, one, we went to and did tour, and that takes up <laughs> 100% mental capacity. Then we took a break. Right, because Hung out with we our were kids. on vacation. Went on vacation, um, and so now what we're trying to do is to stay ahead of the game. Get these episodes recorded earlier. Give Alex a little more time to prep. Give Rachel a little more time to edit. Give ourselves time to perfect it. Now, listen. Going into this one, yes, I was so tempted to do like a pre-roll, pre-credits, like trying to do my best Miranda Priestly. From Devil Wears Prada, like mm-hmm. give me Dolce and Gabbana, and then I was like, I don't think I can think of enough <laughs> label <laughs> names to do this. Give me Calvin on the phone, Calvin Klein. What are you, Calvin and Hobbes? Get out of here! You're fired, or whatever. Uh, I just I, watched Devil Wears Prada for the first time this week. I've seen that movie before, and that's not a good uh, impression. No. I know, clearly not. Clearly not. Clearly not. I, I don't think <laughs> uh, you think you're wearing. Uh, blue and it's cerulean and jackets and stuff um, and jackets I only, and I, only saw, I only saw it the one time <laughs> it was very good though I enjoyed it immensely I could write I, I told Teresa this the other day I could write a 10 page paper on that movie <laughs> and I which, said yes you can write a 10 page paper on any movie <laughs> this is true I have I have thoughts uh, but there are fashion shows in that movie oh yes very much so and we've talked we did a whole episode on haute couture yes oh uh, so this is not a a new uh, this is not a new uh, kind of subject matter, new area for us, but it is a very, uh, I think, unique, like, stand- I think it's one of those things, I've been to, not like a Paris Fashion Week, Haute Couture, like, fashion show, I've been to uh, fashion shows more on, like, nerdy stuff, which I'll talk about in a minute, but they are a thing all their own, right? I think yeah. the closest, I you come to in my mind at least i would connect them close more the closest thing i can connect them to <laughs> is like a drag runway show right like oh, okay not sure. like a drag lip sync show but there are a lot of like runway kind of like you know yeah work the runway kind of shows i love to think about uh sydney dr sydney mcelroy has a story of when she was in a tween fashion show at Huntington Mall. At the Huntington Mall, yes. And wore like a Tweety Bird jacket or something. Yeah. Oh, fashion. <laughs> that was the height of fashion in the late 90s, early 2000s. So the nerdy fashion show I went to, San Diego Comic-Con, maybe 2018 or 2019, they had a Her Universe show and it was about princesses of power and it was like all of these amazing, like, uh, basically they were fashion pieces that like had to transform so oh. you'd like walk to the end of the runway and then like pull Your a string or do something. And it was incredible. I loved every second of it. But that is a different vibe because those were, I, like 70% of them were the creators were also modeling the fashions. Mm-hmm. And it was about like, we're specifically like celebrating this. And it was maybe a little rowdier and a little more, <laughs> you know. Maybe. I mean, but also there are lots of different types of fashion shows. I mean, as. Uh, as in, there are so many different types of art. Yes. You know? Um, well, I think of, a, 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 and we'll get into the actual episode in a second, but I think about it a lot like, uh, you know, conventions, right? Sure. Pop culture conventions, where, like, there are some conventions that are like, we're celebrating, 
you, the person attending, the fan of the thing, right? Mm -hmm. And then there are some that are more like expos, where it's like this is an industry thing. So, for example, San Diego Comic-Con is a very industry-based uh, convention where it's like, yeah, it's great that all of you people are here and you love these things and that's wonderful and you're coming to panels and that's amazing. But mostly this show is for us to like present these shows to you and to put up these big banners and, you know, like this is more about the industry of filmmaking. A lot of interviews take place here. A lot of like meetings take place here. This is a lot of work. Right. Whereas something more like, uh, you know, C2E2, which I'm going to this weekend as we record this, is a lot more like fan focused, you know, kind of thing. Right. I think about fashion shows that same way, where sometimes it's just fun to go to it and see what it is. But when you talk about like fashion week stuff. Sure. It's an expo. Well, so like. There's there's obviously the big four, right, uh, which is New York, Paris, London, and Milan. Of right? course. Um, but there are several other cities that host incredible fashion weeks. Uh, Berlin, Hong Kong, Cairo, other places. Huntington, West Virginia with their Tweety Bird jackets. Certainly. Um, and couture shows are actually hosted year-round in New York and Paris. Sure. And, I mean, any Well, because number... you got the fall. You got the spring. You got the summer collection. You got, uh, there's probably a winter collection. Then you got to deal with jackets. And then you're talking about, like, bathing suits. And then you're talking about cool shoes, I bet. And like any number of boutiques do their own fashion shows and, you know, like I said, at the malls and things like that. Um, And I think a really good example of like a boutique fashion show is in the movie How to Marry a Millionaire. Okay, so you brought this up before. I knew that... Oh my God, Marilyn Monroe, and I almost said Madonna, no. which is a different, <laughs> That's a, different. a later iteration of Marilyn Monroe. Okay. Uh, yes, Marilyn Monroe and Jane Mansfield, and another blonde. I don't, I can't remember the name. Blondie of McGugans. Right now. I think it was um, Blondie McGugans. But they are models at a fashion house, uh-huh. um, and there's a really great scene where they are doing their little show for a client. Um, and, I mean, the uh, emotion of the scene is Jane's character, Shotzi. Uh, Lauren Bacall? Lauren. Or Betty Grable? Or, I'm sorry, I'm just looking at the cast. Oh, it's Betty Grable, I think. So Lauren Bacall, Marilyn Monroe, Betty Grable. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Shotzi is, like, mad because the guy that they're doing the show for, she thinks is a bum, right? She thinks Mm. she met him at a diner earlier or something. Classic. But the guy who, the the hoity-toity Frenchman who runs the boutique is like, I know my clientele, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh Um, But they put on a really great show, and basically they're just showing all the, you know, the designs to this one guy sitting in a chair, Um, And they walk in front of him and do like a little twirl and go and sit on these like um, these like benches almost kind of like lean to benches. Um, And it's great because (laughs) Marilyn Monroe's character, she needs glasses, but she won't wear them while she's modeling and she trips. It's funny. It actually there's a very similar scene in Devil Wears Prada where there's a fashion designer uh, that like they are going to be showcasing and he ends up like becoming a huge deal by the end of it. But like 
they go for a preview at his studio and it's just like Miranda Priestly and then like all of her people behind her, but they're just coming out and showing the dresses. And they talk about like, if you get like a shake of the head or like a nod, that's good. Two nods, that's great. Like no one, like there's been like one smile recorded and if she purses <laughs> her lips, it's disaster, right? That kind of oh, thing. Oh, okay. There's There's a little more to the fashion show in How to Marry a Millionaire because he's, you know, he knows that they think that he's a bum. So how long have fashion shows been going on? Because this is one of those ones, we run into this from time to time, where if you said, when do you think the first fashion show was? Mm -hmm. To me, it's either like ancient Egypt or like (laughs) 1875. Hey, actually, it's that second one. Oh, really? Well, Not exactly, right? Not exactly. That would have been wild. If I had nailed the year... I think we would have had to like you shut the whole show down. <laughs> You've taught me too much. <laughs> we can't do shanners anymore. Travis has learned too many things. Like submit you to Mensa or something. Right. Well, that just because I don't know what the first fashion show was <laughs> doesn't mean I couldn't be submitted to Mensa, Teresa. Okay. Anyway. Anyway, so probably um fashion shows didn't really involve physical people for a very long time. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. They put the clothes on mannequins and which is a fine way to sure. show what the clothes look like but you don't really get to show see how they move exactly how they hang on a real person how they move how you are able to move in them well that's it a lot of fashion shows now like i mentioned with the her universe one is like you see a lot of fashion shows where it's like you walk to the end of the runway and then you like do the jacket over your shoulder and it's like this is now like a slightly there's a variation mm-hmm. right of this look and this is how this changes and all that stuff. Um, so around the mid 1800s is when people started to take the the fashion off of the mannequins and put it on people's right. Um, and the groundbreaking designer Charles Frederick Worth is uh, usually the first name. That comes up when people mention the birth of the fashion show. Okay. Um, He was one of the first designers to display his clothing on live models uh, in Paris in the mid-1800s. And like I said, you could actually see it move, which I think is is an interesting concept in itself um, because a lot of clothing up to a certain point – it's kind of just like the display of status, right? I think about like Elizabethan, like um, a court kind sure, of fashion, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Where Elizabeth the first made all of these rules about what she could wear versus what her courtiers could wear. And like it didn't really seem, it all seemed very static. I mm-hmm. mean, especially if you look at the paintings, they don't look like they can move at all, yeah, right? No, no, yeah. Um, but you know, once well, you... a lot of that was for like, is this is wildly uncomfortable, and so I'm gonna sit <laughs> as much as I can. Yeah, all the roughs and the pearls well, and the, and the heaviness and, and the, yeah, just all the different you know layers and everything. Yeah, right. So up to a certain point, clothing didn't have to move. So sure. a mannequin, I think, would be just fine for that. But once you start getting into, so we're talking uh, pre-industrial revolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, into industrial revolution, people were on the go. People wanted to like move around and do things, and uh, they had different places to go and wear different things for different activities and all kinds of stuff like that. Well, and not only that, but I have to guess, just gut is like before the industrial revolution. A lot of this fashion was like handmade, bespoke, one piece, mm-hmm. and so like why 
show it to a large number of people and make a big deal out of it when it's just like, I can make something like, yeah, you saw uh, the queen wear that. I can make you another one. Or you saw or according friend. to the laws, you can't. Right. Or like, <laughs> oh, your friend had a dress like that. Yes, I can make another one like it. Yeah. Into like, I can make a hundred of those dresses. So I need to show these to people, to a wide audience and make this an event mm-hmm. so people know what we can make for them and they can order it for their stores and order it for their... Right. Yeah. And so the event was actually started by Lady Duff Gordon, um, sometimes referred to as Lucille or Lucy Christina. Um, she was a leading British designer and a PR genius because she started to send out fancy invitations to her you know, esteemed clients. which invited them to come and look at her work at her own private shows, right? So instead of you going to the boutique or whatever and saying, I need this, and then uh, like in like in the movie, and then someone like walks around in it to show you what the ideas are. She actually said, hey, come and look at my ideas. I'll have a party and then we can get all of this together, you know, like make it so that we've we're all on the same page here. Which is also amazing. That's a great opportunity and a great PR move, as you're saying, because it also says instead of just coming to my shop and it's just you and me, here's a chance for you to also network to see and be seen, as they say, to see and be seen. And then, like, come here. Maybe you don't end up getting into my stuff. That's fine. But think of all the cool people you can meet. Right. So it made it exclusive. It gave it an elite feel. And it really turned it into like the business of buying clothing into a social event. Right. right? Yeah. Um, and so th- at this point, most of the fashion shows were considered utilitarian. It was just like a, a, a formality. But then... She started making it into, like, artistic expression, Sure, right? okay, yeah. Um, so she would love to give her designs, uh, she called them gowns of emotion, right? Ooh. So instead of just somebody, I love that, by the way. But that yeah. also sounds like a way of someone was like, hey, are you doing okay? I'm like, no, I'm kind of trapped in a gown of emotion <laughs> right now. Well, so she gave her her designs, like, name, ethereal names, like, yeah. Love in a mist, or happiness, or things like that. Gorillas in a mist. That stuck around for a very long time. Not gorillas in the mist. Okay, no, you're wagging your finger at me. It's not that. Okay. That idea has stuck around for a very long time where you don't just, like, say, skirt and blouse combination, A-line skirt and bustier. You give it, like, a name that has the feeling. So, like, I'm trying to think of any of the examples in the movie. Well, I I can pull an example of this and not you know, from fashion that it's like, well, yeah, obviously it's like abstract art kind of thing, yeah. right? Where it's just like you make a painting or you make whatever an art piece or sculpture, painting, whatever, and you title it something like, you know, warring emotions or, you know, mm-hmm. life and death. And people look at it and like, yeah, that's not a one for like, it's not an actual battle scene, but I see where this represents a conflict, right? Mm-hmm. Because at a certain point, and I think what you are highlighting here is the transition from, high fashion as like the uh, functional worn art to actual like self-expression art. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and then another person, another artist who turned the runway show into a spectacle would be Paul Poirier. Um, he was known for conjuring up these kind of like extreme like situations. Right. He would give uh, elaborate parties, like costume parties around the kind of runway fashion show Love thing. That. Um, there's one called Thousand and Second Night, 
uh, where he would transform the entire venue into like interactive catwalks, oh, right? Yeah. There's like fashion parades. Listen, I love that in theory. But I bet in practice, if I was there, I'd be like, I shouldn't be here. <laughs> I feel wildly out of place. I would need very much like a guide through that. I'd be like, don't eat that. That's part of the display. Please, Indeed. someone will come by with some crudite or whatever. Don't eat that carrot. That carrot's part of it. Um, and by the early 1900s, uh, I mean, so far we've talked about the other side of the pond, but American retailers were starting to experiment with their own particular brand of fashion shows. Um, and the first American fashion show probably like took place in New York City uh, around 1903 in, you know, like a department store. Sure. And then other large department stores in Manhattan and Philadelphia by 1910 started staging their runway walks. Um, and, you know, these gowns were typically centered on, like, the collection that the department store was holding, gowns from, like, Paris and stuff. Sure. Um, and this was to attract the attention of female shoppers. And it really worked. This marketing ploy was a genius. Well, yeah. Yeah, man. What's, what's not to love? I, I mean, sp- you look, you think about that. You say, well, yeah. And I'm like, but. It was new. This is like we take for granted the fact that you can go on YouTube and look up, you know, Yves Saint Laurent's like 2013 collection or whatever. Right. But this had never really been done before. But see, I actually think the other way around. Right. Because now I think the idea of like if you want to see what people are wearing in Paris, I can Google like what are people wearing in Paris. Right. But this idea of like, hey. Do you want to see what people are wearing? Like Paris feels like the moon to some people, right? And that idea of it being a huge attraction. Because we talked about that fort way, way back when we were talking about hotels, right? Where like American hotels started saying like, oh, it's a European style. And it's like, that's nothing, but it makes you feel special and different, right? right? Yeah. And so that idea of like, hey... Do you, you know, you're here in, I'm going to pick a name and please remember that I'm from Huntington, West Virginia and there's just a more red, but like Wichita, Kansas, right? And he's like, hey, do you want to see what people were wearing in Paris? Like, yeah, I do. Especially in 1903. Like, it's not like people are hopping on jets to fly over to Paris. I'm just saying, like, I, it's one of those things where, yes, somebody had to have the idea and it's easy in retrospect to be like, duh, but, like, <laughs> I'm not at all surprised that it went well. Um, and so around the turn of the century, these were still pretty much, like, private events, even mm. so much, like, photography was banned. Um, because Which I also get. they didn't want people stealing yeah. designs. Um, but. Then in 1918, uh, fashion houses started establishing fixed dates for shows to occur, uh, and the they would take place like twice annually, right? Um, so it would allow a house to plan for their lines to, you know, foreign buyers and things like that. Um, and then uh, vice versa, you would have a European fashion house plan a specific event for so you could people in the states. Everything and, and there's no like conflict. That. Yeah, right. And by the twenties, uh, retailers all over the U.S. were hosting their own like theatrical fashion shows. Sometimes presented like around a narrative or organized around a theme. I mean, like the sky. The fashion of Pinocchio or whatever. Probably not that. (laughs) Probably not that. But the sky was the limit at this point. Um, Uh, Speaking of scheduling things, which we were a second ago, it's time to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hey, Tracy, you know what you should do? What should I do? You should visit Brenna Campbell. 
www.bandcamp.com or search for 1000 Masks, 1000 Masks on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you find music. Do you know why? Why is that? Well, this is the release of Brennan Campbell's new album, 1000 Masks. Uh, There's some fun animated videos on YouTube. Mm. Uh, Do you like good things? I do like good things. Yeah? Do you like to feel good? I do like to feel good. Okay, if you like good things and you like to enjoy things. Check. Then you should go B-R-Y-N-N-A-C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L.bandcamp.com or search for 1000 Masks on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you find music. I can't wait. Hey, it's John Moe, host of Depression Mode, a podcast about people's mental health journeys. Guess who we got? Guess who? It's Jamie Lee Curtis. I look at life now as the game of guess who, which is simply the process of elimination. I know what I don't like. That's how I found out who I am. Jamie Lee Curtis on addiction, show business, and fooling people, all on Depression Mode from Maximum Fun, wherever you get your podcasts. Well, Manolo, we have a show to promote. It's called Dr. Game Show. It's a family-friendly podcast where listeners submit games and we play them with callers from around the world. Oh, sounds good. New episodes uh, happen every other Wednesday on MaximumFun.org. It's a fast and loose oasis of absurd innocence and naivete. Are you writing a poem? No, and just saying things from my memory. And uh, it's a nice break from reality. <laughs> Is that, are we allowed to say that? I don't know. It sounds bad. It comes with a 100% happiness guarantee. It does not. <laughs> Come for the games and stay for the chaos. Okay. Where were we? We were... It's the 1920s. No. Oh. We're done with the 1920s. We're going to skip over World War II. <laughs> Okay. Because not a lot of fashion. Then there was not rationing. A lot of fashion. People, not, yeah. they couldn't wear their nylons. They needed that for parachutes. We were mending and make doing. Right. Yeah. We were riveting. We were fixing airplanes. <laughs> not with Women were playing thing. baseball. It was, okay. all right. There was a lot going on. So after World War II, this is when the fashion houses flung their doors open and oh, began yeah. to well, seek Well, especially because we have the audience. We had the Paris rush. After World War II, everybody was like, tell me more about this Paris thing. Skinny cigarettes, you say. Go on. (laughs) And part of the Paris rush was Christian Dior. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. uh, And his, quote, new look. Um, So this is the the very stylized silhouette of the thin waist and the voluminous A-line skirt, Mm. right? Which at the time was very, very... uh, controversial because we had just come out of rationing. Parts of Europe were still in rationing mm-hmm. at that point. And just, a lot of rebuilding over there. Yeah. Um, and us just yards and yards of fabric felt like a waste, right? So we have the the conservative media being like, can you believe this this person? How dare they um, waste all this material when, you know, the slim silhouette would, was just fine? And I mean, it was, it caused caused quite a stir. But don't you think, isn't it, at least in my opinion, and I say this with no judgment, but rather statement of fact, it feels like a lot of high fashion has always been a little bit about excess, right? Mm-hmm. A little bit about like... Certainly. If you're showing off, right? There's a little bit of like, look at all this stuff. 
Well, it was a it was a way to declare that the suffering of war was over, and you know you should treat yourself. Yeah. Okay, I got you. Yeah. Um, and you know it is beautiful and timeless and very classic today. Um, and then the like we talk about so often, you have the pendulum of society, sure. right? So we have the the fifties late 40s, early 50s with this kind of like very hourglass look and then the 60s swing in and it's about like personality, right? So you have loud music and models showing off like the lighter tone of their clothing designs. Think of like Twiggy and Maude and all this kind of stuff, right? So it looks very... Uh, there was a, the futuristic push, which yeah. was also in the 50s, too. And right? a lot of straighter lines as well. I mean, when you think about mod, mod is yeah. a very, like, not geometric, but it's like. I mean, it is yeah. pretty geometric. Um, and then towards the, you know, the 80s and 90s, things get to be a little more like. You got avant-garde. big suits. You get big weird suits, big shoulders. Um, Those weird pointy glasses <laughs> that everyone's, you know, like the triangular glasses. Um, and the runways at this time were trying to emulate the popular culture of like the club atmosphere, sure. right? So lighting and sound effects and staging and curated music was in at this point. Um, then you get in the 2000s and I'm betting it's like not necessarily grunge, but it's kind of grunge, right? Well, Where there's a little bit of like, oh, we don't care about, oh, burn it all down, right? Uh, certainly, with every art movement, there's also the counterculture, right? But what I'm saying is, like, they just became more and more, like, less about showing the clothes and more about showing the show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, so this is a question. Can I hit a question real quick? We got, we got this a couple times, right? Where yeah. people talk about, like, and I think that this is the thing I thought about for a long time whenever I would see, like, clips from, like, a Paris Fashion Week and be like, Okay, great. That's really cool looking, but that's not a thing that someone is wearing to go shop at Kroger or whatever, right? Sure. And I think that what you are saying is exactly, at least my opinion, and listen, I am not, this might surprise some people, (laughs) I'm not a fashion expert, (laughs) but my feeling on it, my gut, as I've said a couple times now, is that it is like, this is a stylistic guide. This is a vibe we're going for it. Sure. Much like that speech that Miranda Priestley gives in Devil Wears Prada, where it's just like, yeah, so you saw this on the runway, and then they made this with the jackets, and then that became this, and then that filtered down to this, and then that influenced that, right? It's not saying like, oh, this fashion designer, this jacket that everyone was wearing with three-foot-wide shoulder blades or whatever, everyone's going to be wearing that. But it is an indication that maybe accented shoulders is going to be a thing in the next year, right? Right. Unless you're people like Lady Gaga or Rihanna or like things like that. You're going to the Met Gala. You're going to these big things. I mean, even... Or it's kind of just expected that you are at the the height or maybe even, you know, on the precipice of the the next big fashion thing and you want to wear the the over the top kind of runway styles. Or you're going to fashion events. I mean oh, certainly. That, that's the other not to reference Ever Wears Prada again, but I will. <laughs> but you will DWP is that when they're going to these fashion events, when they're going to Paris Fashion Week, these like haute couture fashion events, you are wearing haute couture fashion. To these fashion events, right? I mean, if you are part of the industry and, you know, like, if you are there to be seen as much as seeing it, yeah, you certainly can. That's not saying that if, you know, 
It's not a dress requirement. It's not a dress requirement. If you're sitting front row, you might want to. But, I mean, again, these places are usually packed to the gills, so not everybody is going to wear that stuff. Yeah. Sometimes if you're a man at a fashion event, you just wear a T-shirt and jeans, and everyone says, how trendy. How trendy. What, look at this great fashion. Did I ever tell you about that time when I was like looking up, like, what's big in men fashion oh, this yeah. year? And it was like this list of like hot men's looks for 2020 or whatever. And one of them was like, try T-shirt and jeans. So I was like, get out of here. <laughs> Classic white T-shirt <laughs> and denim. Have you ever thought about this? Oh, my God. What a great look. It's like, oh, my God. So let me give a, a small sampling of some of the very um, notable fashion shows of the of the last 30 years or so. So in 1998, Yves Saint Laurent sent a runway show in a stadium one hour before the World Cup final between between France and Brazil. It involved 300 models, wow. 900 backstage hands, 4,000 stadium staff, and was televised to 1.7 billion people. So a big deal, you said. Very big. Okay. Big, 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 very big. Okay. Uh, in 1991, Gianni Versace sent Naomi Campbell, Christy Turlington, Linda Evangelista, and Cindy Crawford down the runway all together. What? Right? Get out of town. That's like watching uh, was Lady Marmalade perform at, like the <laughs> 1998 MTV Music Awards. And so they was that when it was? It was something around that. I don't know. Uh, so they were arm in arm, and they lip synced George Michael's hit "Freedom." Yeah. Um, and each model was wearing a monochromatic colored dress. And I mean, obviously, bringing the icon, icons together. Was yeah. Like, for, for sweet big names. solidarity, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and you can watch that on YouTube. It's pretty cool. Um, and then, you know, you have the designers now that are pretty much like known for this kind of stuff. Um, Alexander McQueen, for example, he's put a runway in a wind tunnel. Uh, he created a life-size chess set with supermodels as the pieces. He once ended a show with a masked Joan of Arc character surrounded by, like, representations of blood and fire. Whoa. Um, and then you have... Pageantry, one Pageantry, yes. Karl Lagerfeld is also known for drawing runway inspiration from other places. His name, like... by the way, always makes me think that he's in politics. There's something <laughs> about that name, maybe because I'm confusing it with Donald Rumsfeld, which seems unfair that to That does seem unfair. Him. Yeah. Um, so he stages places um, in fictitious airports or what? supermarkets. or He once even turned the Great Wall of China into a catwalk. Oh my God, that's amazing. Hey, I have some questions for you. Can I ask sure. you some questions? So this is uh, from Rose Parker Audio. Are you allowed to take photos? Um, unless it is expressly stated that you are not allowed to take photos. There is usually press at the events taking photos because that's what they want and they're invited for, right? Yeah. So, yeah, take some photos and that's okay. Like, don't be all like, unless you are press, don't like be all up in everybody's business about it. But one or two photos on your cell phone. Usually fine. I would also stay say away that. from flash and be careful uh, if you're like taking photos to use for something where you're like selling your I don't know if you're like a website or something like that and you're going to use them to make money off of. Oh yeah, be careful with that. Um, blog photos are usually <laughs> fine. You don't usually have to pay for like blogs, the like experiences and things like that. Um, but anything with commerce, you got to be super careful about. And you probably should pay for those photos. 
Um, spilling the soup asks, how are you supposed to dress when you go to a fashion show? Do you wear that designer or is that a faux pas? Like wearing a band's t-shirt to that concert? Or like <laughs> I that? mean, no, you absolutely can. But um, if you were going to go see the show Cats... Would you dress up like a cat? That's different. I would wear maybe a t-shirt that says, I love cats. I mean, okay. So maybe you would do an homage, right? Uh, Which is great. Um, If you are sitting like front or second row and you want to be shown as a supporter, right? Because that's usually an invited seat, right? Um, Yeah, you can wear something. I wouldn't wear something from like the last season's runway, but wear something that is recognizable as that designer, fine. Absolutely That makes fine. a lot more sense to me than like wearing a competing designer's work to that designer's show, right? Yeah. yeah. Probably not do that. Um, but I do suggest that you dress for the weather um, because sometimes these things are outside. Yeah. And, and also, when you have all these people in a room and the lights and everything, it's going to get hot. Yeah. Wear shoes that you can walk in, um, even if like your thing is like super out there shoes um i would suggest because there usually is a lot of walking because not only and you know if you're on the runway which you wouldn't be but like you'd have to walk to your seat you walk to the event like these are like sure. you can't get dropped off at the door most of the time um and not designer knockoffs not a good idea yeah. um how does Adm- admiral red ask how does one get invited uh, to a fashion show, especially bougie ones like the Fashion Week Big Four? Oh, well, um, usually it's about anybody who's anybody. Yeah, right? you gotta know somebody. You gotta know somebody, you gotta have a connection, you gotta, I mean, be a celebrity, be rich. I mean, it's kind of like saying, like, how do you get invited to the Met Gala, right? Yeah. Like, they're not gonna do, like, they're not I mean, Anna Wintour, she does all of the Met Gala invitations, so you have to know or right. be known by her. Now, I would say if there are not big four ones, right, if you're not at the Fashion Week and you would like to go, I would say, you know, reach out to the event planning staff or whatever, you know, whatever it is. I bet there's easier ways to get to go. Um, if you're like, I just want to enjoy a fashion show, you can probably buy tickets to most in your hometown or in towns near you or whatever. But yeah, I would say those big industry ones that's where it gets into that like convention versus expo feel. Yeah. Of it's like anybody who knows about like uh E three before they opened it up to like attendees, right? It used to be like you could only go if you were press. You could only go if you had credentials to prove like I'm a journalist who writes about video games. And I should be here. Right. And so I think it's along those lines of like, if you work for a magazine and you would like to cover, there's probably an application process where they can reach out through them and say, we are this uh, magazine and we would like to send someone to cover this. Right. But as far as just like, I, Travis, would like to go to a Paris Fashion Week event. I'm like, cool, man. Good for you. (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, another way is, uh, you know, if you know someone who happens to be working, yeah. perhaps they have an in that you could exploit. Um, now, Mr. Clean Fan Page, which <laughs> huge get, uh, asked, and a couple people asked this, can you cheer uh, when you see something great? Can you clap? Or does it have to be like silent, like, mm, yes. Mm. I mean, this is a read the room type thing, yeah. right? Um, there are definitely some runway shows, I think, that encourage that kind of thing yeah um it'll depend on the music and the vibe in the room and look at what other people are doing and is there like um 
Are they going for a clap factor too? Because sometimes when they're doing that like big reveal, pull a string, the dress drops down. Oh my God, it's covered in whatever, right? Yeah. That's like, yeah, they want a reaction for mm-hmm. that. But mm-hmm. just like walk down, here's my coat, walk back. Maybe they're not going for a clap. Maybe they're going for them. Mm-hmm. I think that yeah. the music and the lighting is a great cue. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if the music is pretty deafening, it wouldn't really matter anyway. But um, if there are certain swells or if like the there's spotlights and things, I mean, yeah, read the room. It reminds me of when I, I, I grew up going to Southern Baptist Church. Don't anymore. But. It was always hard to tell, like, when this thing ends, is this an amen moment or a clapping moment? There's no way to tell. <laughs> I have no idea still to this day what triggered which one, but it was like, okay, oh, it, it, yep, amen, that's limit. Or like, amen, oh, everyone's clapping. Ah, I could have clapped. Ah. <laughs> okay, I think that's going to do it for us. Okay, um, I do want to leave you with a note of advice from uh, William Norwich, uh, who was written in Vogue saying... Do remember that despite any appearance to the contrary, we are invited guests at a fashion show. When we accept any invitation, this goes for dinner or cocktail party as well, we are entering into a kind of social contract with our hosts to support them and their event. At fashion shows, this means to try to save your judgments for later, mm-hmm. not during the show. Also, As my parents would say, save it for the drive home. Also, favor everyone who invites you to a show or a party at Fashion Week with a prompt and accurate reply. That means not saying yes if you're not certain you can make it, and there is no excuse for an empty seat. Yes. Thank you, William. Yes. Um, Hey, everybody. Uh, Over at Maximum Fun, we are doing an ad survey, and now through the end of the month, this is an annual survey which helps us try to make sure our advertisers are well-matched with their audience. So if you go to MaximumFun.org slash survey uh, and take that real quick, it helps us out a lot. Over at the McRoy Merch Store, we have a Geralt plushie from the Adventure Zone Balance. Uh, It's very cute. If you like plushies, you like balance, you like cute things, any of those, you're going to love it. We also have an... This is hard to explain if you haven't listened to My Brother, My Brother and Me, but a shirt which reads, if God's not dead, how do you explain these gains? It's my joke, and I don't know how to explain it to you. Uh, That was designed by Lucas Hespenhide, uh, and that is Moosely based on Twitter. Go check it out. It's really good. (laughs) Um, 10% of all merch proceeds this month will go to the Center for Reproductive Rights, uh, which uses the power of law to advance reproductive rights as fundamental human rights around the world. You can find that and more at MacroyMerch.com. You can pre-order the Adventure Zone 11th Hour Graphic Novel now at TheAdventureZoneComic.com. We have more live shows coming up. Uh, if you go to bit.ly slash Tours, you can find all those tickets there. Mask and proof of full vaccination or negative COVID tests within 72 hours of event start is required. Uh, we want to say thank you to our podcast home, MaximumFun.org. Check out all the other great shows there. If you want to see the other McElroy projects, you can do that at uh, Family. Thank you to our researcher, Alex, without whom we would not be able to make this show. Thank you to our editor, Rachel, without whom we would not be able to make this show. And thank you to you for listening. We can make the show without you, but why? 
Who else, Teresa? We also want to say thank you to Brent, Brent of Floss Black, for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Thank you to Kayla and Wasso for our Twitter thumbnail art. That's at SchmannersCast, where we got a lot of these great listener-submitted questions. Thank you to Bruja Betty Pennant Photography for the cover picture of our fan-run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. If you love to give and get excellent advice from other fans, go ahead and join that group today. Um, also, if you are interested in submitting a topic or an idiom, we love those idiom shows, uh, please email us, schmannerscast at gmail.com, and say hi to Alex, because she reads everyone. And that's going to do it for us, so join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Schmanners, Schmanners. Get it. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.